0: The Arthropod. The Arthropod is the home for the wonderful, weird, wacky world of insects. Hosted by Jonathan Larson, Jody Green, and Michael Scavarla.
1: Welcome back to Arthropod, your entomology podcast. I am but one of your spooky hosts today, Frankenstein's Johnster, Jonathan Larson of the University of Kentucky. I was workshopping there. Sorry, Jody.
2: That's okay. I'm Jody Green from the University of Nebraska Lincoln.
1: You didn't I'm even just... try to come up
2: with a creepy. No, one for I'm, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just scary.
0: Remember how we like we're workshopping intros to the show literally 30 seconds ago, and you didn't warn us you were going to do that
2: yeah I want to i'm michael
0: out. scavarla with uh, penn state
1: yeah what yeah. would be your spooky name
0: oh uh, man
1: michael larval
0: no. i don't know no. try, you try to work it into our theme today
1: huh? a little bit yeah a little bit uh today is our halloween spectacular our first of two halloween spectaculars really um we're doing a movie for this one we have all watched the 1986 version of the story the fly it's a pretty crazy movie i think that we're going to have lots of things to say about it and lots of feelings about different parts of it Uh, a word of warning for parents who maybe are listening with kids Uh, this one is maybe a little bit spicier than our usual arthropod content this movie is rated r we're pretty sure If not PG.
0: No, it's for sure rated R. It's for
1: sure rated R. Um, And so we'll have some R-rated talk uh, with it. We're not going to like go into super detail. But if you don't like having your kids hear about uh, spicy things, then uh, maybe this is one to skip. It's an R-rated horror movie.
0: In particular, body horror.
1: So It's uh, David Cronenberg. I mean, I wouldn't want my kid hearing about a David Cronenberg.
2: The main character of the movie doesn't wear clothes for the most part.
1: He wears clothes. He wears the same clothes every day, right? That's yeah, outfit. that's
0: that's even a plot point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just like a word of warning, tr- not, not a trigger warning. What would we call that? Just like, you know. Content warning. Content warning. Pardon me. Your I had I had a body horror moment. Uh <laughs> a hand
0: came out of his mouth. You uh, know
2: what? A moth flew into my eye today. Like I put my contacts in and went into the garage, and a moth flew in to my eye. Are you okay? All the scales and stuff yeah. stuck to my. I've never Did had you have that. To get a new contact. Kind of weird pain. I still haven't actually had time to flush it out. Like I took the. Um, what is it? I took the eye wash thing from the kitchen sink and sprayed myself in the eye. But um, I, I might have to change contacts later.
1: Just a point, point of order. Do you think that the the sprayer hose in your dishwasher sink or your dish sink is for your eyes?
2: Uh, well, today it was my eyewash station. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm... Anyway, you said body horror moment.
1: That was a body. That would be body horror. Yeah. That would be a scary movie. A moth gets stuck in your eyeball. Do we have anything we want to talk about before we talk about the movie? Jody is an international superstar now, <laughs> thanks to the bed bug ec- epidemic in France.
2: Uh, yeah, I was uh, interviewed by, ai a, don't know, I guess it's an international news station, but it's based out of Berlin, Germany. And so it was kind of like Germany called to talk about France's bed bug problem. That's the summary. Uh, Guten Tag. Dr. It was Jody. one of the most chaotic interviews I've ever had. That's cool. I didn't know. Yeah, because I was like zooming with the news. So like when I looked at the other screen, like I'm looking at your head, Ma- Jonathan, your head, Mike, but I was looking at a newscast. So I looked like I was watching TV and then I could hear the sound of the news and interviews going on. And then there was another voice like Jody, Jody, can you hear me? And um, yeah, anyway, it was all kind of nuts and I didn't know it was like live. So anyway, that was interesting.
1: Can we post a, a link to it in the show notes?
2: um sure but because it was framed the way I felt like they wanted me to blame France I was trying my best to be as fair
1: fair to France fair and balanced to France
2: because you know what everybody's got bed bugs it's not just France now there's a the news that's like move over France Canada's got their own bed bug problems They were really concerned because they just had Paris Fashion Week and it just kind of hit like social media that bedbugs were on like the train and stuff. And then 2024 Summer Olympics are going to be in Paris. And so that's why we're trying to blame France. But spoiler is that people move around bedbugs. So don't cancel your trips to France.
1: Yeah, bedbugs be bugging. Just look for them. Just be better humans. <laughs> Always sound advice. That's That could be something we stand on very strongly as the Arthropod show. Uh, my preamble before we get into the content is I wanted to send a shout out to a listener, Ben Knowlton, who is an online master's student with our program here at the University of Kentucky, but he contacted me after he heard me speak in our uh, like in, intro to the department class that we do here. Uh, and Ben shared that he is working on this semester a podcast himself. It's called There Will Be Bugs. I will link to it in the show notes, but we're all about that podcast pollination. Uh, So go support a new podcaster in the insect world. Um, Another one has joined the ranks, so I feel very uh, happy about that. So go check out Ben's show um, and learn a little bit more about insects from a different content creator. With that, you want to talk about this movie, The Fly, 1986? Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay. Uh, was it? Did you like it? Was it a good movie?
2: Okay, wait. <laughs> why did we decide on this movie is what...
1: Okay, I like that. The is. first
2: question that I got from someone else.
1: Okay. Uh, I will speak to why I put this up, and I think why Mike also has brought this up before. Um, so we've been kind of circling around this, I think, for a couple of years, whenever we talk about Halloween movies that we could watch um i for one was very keen on watching the fly because it is a remake of a 1957 or 1958 film and it has sort of a really strong cultural legacy uh coming at us from the 1980s and i think that i've always wanted to see it just because it's got jeff goldblum in it and i knew that it was kind of extreme and gross and i thought that it would be fun for us to to hit Mike, why have you brought it up before?
0: I I brought up The Fly writ large because I was watching a different Vincent Price
1: movie.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, and I love Vincent Price. And I thought, ooh, he's in the original The Fly. So I pitched that. And John said, how about The Fly 1986? And I said, sure, we could do that, too. And similarly, I am aware of it. It has a lot of kind of cultural legacy, it feels like, like lots of people know of. The Fly. It seems like a good fit for Arthropod. Like, it's right there in the title. It's Fly. Um, <laughs> pretty pretty good yeah. Arthropod
1: connection there. I mean, it's right there. I, I, If I could speak to why I wanted to do this one more than the 58 Vincent Price film. I, too, am a sucker for some Vincent Price. I watched the Vincent Price movie over the weekend. Twice told Tales. Mike, I don't know if you've seen it. It's all Nathaniel Hawthorne stories. Ooh. Uh, so it's kind of good. But this, to me, is Meteor. Like, The analysis that we could do of The Fly from 1958 would be like what we did for them, which is, you know, oh, it's so funny and goofy and maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit of like, you know, he's a super scientist who's crazy. This one, just from what I know, having read other people's blogs and reviews about it in the past, like trying to convince myself to add it to my horror list, this has a lot of meat on the bone, for lack of a better term. It's not that one guy's hand at the end of the movie, um, all the meat is still attached to it. And it has a (laughs) a, a lot of possibility for discussion. I think that people see this film in a myriad of ways, almost like a compound eye. And all of the analysis that I see are simultaneously different and correct and contradictory. And I think that's way more interesting than, I guess, sort of a, Oh, Vincent Price's brother-in-law gets his head and hand replaced with a fly's head and hand and then gets squished by the end of the movie and eaten by a spider. Spoiler alert for film from the late 1950s. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I thought this one would be a lot more interesting to hear the three of us ramble on about for a solid 55 to 60 minutes.
0: Yeah, I can see that. It feels like so I've not read any outside analyses, but it feels like there is a lot that you could unpack with it. Like I picked up on some themes that I think I'd like to discuss later. Um, And I'm curious to to hear some of the other ones that you've picked up from other folks to see if that kind of gets anything moving. But yeah, I agree. There's certain, certainly some undercurrents in the themes that I, I feel like beyond my feelings of the movie are interesting.
1: And just as like the sort of setup where this was all of us a first time watch.
2: I've, Never seen it before. And I do want to say that I watched it with my 14-year-old daughter because she was grounded for that two hours from her phone. And so she had nothing to do but sit with me. And I said, I have to watch this movie, The Fly. So that was interesting. That might have been a completely (laughs) different experience if she wasn't sitting beside me. And we talked about it throughout the day. And she even wanted to watch The parts that she thinks, like, she's like, I think that happened, but I want to watch that part again. And then she also wants to watch the sequel.
0: Nice. I mean, it's good that she's not traumatized.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the first time in some parts I thought she would be, but we got through it.
0: Uh, uh, So (laughs) it's funny John asked that question. I saw Parts or maybe all of the fly when I was like eight to ten years old. I would How not did that recommend
2: happen?
0: that. Yeah, uh, so I, I, there are clips from it that I distinctly remember to that, like, and I remember being terrified as a child. I seem to remember I was being babysat by a cousin and she was not paying that much attention to us,
1: okay?
0: But yeah, there there's not to skip ahead too much, but there's a scene at the end where like he is the, like he turns into the fly and he barfs up some vomit all over a dude's hand. And it the hand melts away, I have that seared into my brain yeah. uh, from being a child. I, I absolutely do not recommend letting a child that young watch it. I would say 14 is probably the lower limit. It is a an R rated movie. So like, like I watch speed, which is rated R at like 11. That's that's, it's it's R because of language, right? Right. Like it, it has okay. some f bombs.
1: Yeah. Down. This is R for different reasons.
0: <laughs> this is R for different reasons. And yeah, fourteen <laughs> is probably the lowest I would go letting a child watch it.
1: And um, even that would maybe require some discourse beforehand. Of like, what... yeah,
0: yeah. In 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 knowing your child, uh, yeah. there are probably fourteen-year-olds I would not recommend watching it. Um yeah. So so yeah, I've seen it before, but <laughs> in and obviously, like as a child, I wasn't doing like in depth picking apart of themes.
1: No, you were just getting scared. <laughs> yes. Yeah, scared. Yeah, yeah. Scared and, and, and scarred. <laughs> yes. Very, very much so. That had to have been on tape then, right?
0: It was either on like Cinemax or some one of the channels that could play those kind of movies or yeah on a VHS.
1: You guys were uh, really up to no good if you were I am not takes. sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure how we uh how I saw it, honestly. <laughs>
1: How did we watch it this time around? Amazon?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I, we rented it from Apple TV. It was it was a gift. Oh, 3 dollars oh, yeah. or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I did see it's on HBO Max or whatever they're calling that now. Um, as part of if you subscribe to it. Uh yeah, the digital options were all sort of pay to play. I luckily found it for the same price it would take to buy it on Amazon uh at my local half price books. Just sitting there waiting for me to take it home and it comes with the sequel which i have seen the sequel but not this movie until this go around for some reason i watched the fly 2 at purdue when we were in college oh. uh, actually, i actually think it was before we moved in together mike i think i saw it in like the five dollar dvd bin they used to do at walmart and i was like yeah okay it's a bug horror movie for sure and you definitely need to see the first one <laughs> <laughs> to to better understand the second one. So uh it's also a very creepy movie. Cronenberg's not involved with it, but the guy that did all of the makeup in this movie directed it. So it's still got the, I think, the flair and kind of the flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh so there are other sequels, I think, out there, uh, ones in comic book form. And Cronenberg has supposedly circled around, maybe doing his own sequel to it. So we can kind of talk about people that were involved. So do you, do you all, I know Jody, this will be a, a, a no from you. But how many Cronenberg movies have you seen Mike and Jody? Like, do you, are you a Cronenberg fan?
2: I have no idea because I don't know. I'll
0: have to look that up. Uh, I've never even heard of him. So I looked up some really? of his yeah, cinematography, cinema. Would it be cinematography for a director? His, his oeuvre. Yeah. And I'm, I don't recognize most of the movies except the fly. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, I, I should say I'm not a big horror fan, especially I dislike body horror. There's a couple things like I watched The Ritual and loved it. so like folk horror I can get into. Nice. Uh, but this is not I, I would not usually pick something like this. So I'm not familiar with his other stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, he is kind of one of the people I think that's seen as an originator for the body horror genre uh, on in film at least and i think according to his wikipedia page he has nicknames such as the baron of blood and the king of venereal horror <laughs> so if you're not into the sounds of that i don't know that his his stuff would be into uh, something you'd be into but yeah he was he was a pretty big deal in the 80s like scanners came out in 81 video in 83 and then the fly in 86 so he was churning out these kind of weird body horror pictures uh, in that time frame and this one was definitely the most successful
2: when i look him up on imdb he's got a movie called spider
1: oh i don't know that one
2: existence M. butterfly naked lunch
1: crash
2: I Have I yeah
1: seen that, that was a big one that he had in the 90s uh won lots of awards and then he has Dead ringers he has a bunch of stuff with vigo mortensen in kind of the the two thousands to now time frame, I think they've done like four or five movies together, but uh, this I think is sort of the crown jewel of his body horror stuff, like scanners. That's the one where the guy's head explodes. If you've seen that GIF online, that's the meme. I think that that comes from, uh, and he's really into this, like what happens to our bodies kind of horror. So if you haven't uh, check out some of his things, if you're into mutation, mutilation and unnatural body movements, but it is, a remake of a movie that starred Vincent Price and others in 1958, which was an adaptation itself of a 1957 short story by George Langolin. And I think it's really interesting if you look up that movie and that story, they have almost no connection to what we watched in The Fly. They star French sounding people or Quebecois people, and the story is very different. Um involves a married couple rather than like a flirtatious couple. And I think that this is a, it's weird to say that it's an adaptation of that story. Like it really is only in spirit only rather than an actual like adaptation style.
0: So I haven't seen the Vincent price movie, despite, you know, liking (laughs) him as an actor, what overlap is there? Like, is there still like a transporter kind of muck up issue or is that even different? (laughs)
1: No, I guess that, that's fair. Yeah. So it's a scientist who has built odds that you can teleport things in and the fly gets in there with him. It's a more instantaneous transformation. So he, instead of like being infused with the fly, he, his head and arm, they swap places with the fly's head and arm. So he steps out of the teleporter and he's got a big fly head and a big fly arm and he can still think like himself for a while. But eventually, he has to convince his wife to squish his head and arm with this hydraulic press that they have in the lab, so that people don't discover him. And before that, kind of like in the last throes of his humanity, he destroys all his notes and the teleporters.
2: You just ruined the whole movie.
1: I mean, it's been around for you know like sixty or seventy years, so I don't. Well, should we bad.
2: talk about the plot of this movie?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, th- I think that's a good setup for the plot. So that's that's the old movie. So what happens in this movie? There's transporters.
1: Go for it, Jody. You have prodigious notes that were okay. produced by a fourteen-year-old.
2: Well, I started off with the notes, and they were mostly like what I thought was going on. So it was start off with a reporter or a journalist talking to a scientist, and he's like Jeff Goldblum, who's like got these giant eyes. Yes. Um, and he was wearing clothes. He had like a suit and tie on or a jacket and tie. And he was talking scientific. And then she, he somehow got her to his apartment that's kind of in like this alleyway <laughs> warehouse building. What, and he sleeps we, on a pullout couch, but he's got this transporter. Oh, yeah. What?
0: Well, can we talk about that bit? The flirtation felt terrible. It was awkward and forced. And I'm like, (laughs) why are you going back with him? Like, this is not, not great.
2: Right. But then it was like for a story to talk about this, the science. And then it was like this transporter, but it was like a teleportation device. It seemed at first. And then it was, Hey, do you have something personal that I could put in this machine to show you? The flirting part was like, she stuck her, hand up her dress and like pulled off her stocking like a pantyhose thing and it was just awkward and weird and then he put it in one of the transporters and it flashed like some computer that's like ginormous and it is 1986 like this smoke fog machine whatever and then it disappears and she's like yeah like big whoop and then it's in the other device because he's got two in the room and so she just thinks it's amazing, but then something happens, and he's like, "No, you can't tell
1: anyone." Yeah, it's a setup. It's a meet cute. I do think it's interesting that you both think that their flirting is is awkward and forced because these are this they're married in real life at this time. Gina Davis and Jeff huh. Goldblum, like they were really? a couple uh, during the making of this film. They, they were. Film. Yeah, yeah, they were oh, husband and wife. So I, I guess I take a different vibe from it. Like I think she's. She is charmed by his oddity. Like, he comes off very weird, right? And you're at this weirdo party with weirdo scientists. And he's (laughs) the most
0: interesting weirdo. Okay, I can see that. I I did laugh at the part where he's like, half the scientific community is here. And it's like a hundred people in a room. Right. (laughs) Like Of their city, maybe. The writers don't know the scientific community.
2: Explain what the transporter looks like.
1: So they're big metallic pods they look like uh, even bigger versions of like the transformers you see on the side of uh, an electrical pole outside of your house. Like they're big and ridged and there's an immense amount of, of cables and hoses that are connecting them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's a very MS DOS type computer that he boots up. Um, What's like it's
0: like a techno brutalism.
1: Yeah. Almost. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. It, it looks like, painful it looks bad like i i don't feel comfortable looking upon his works but he wants to obviously uh, market this technology at some point he wants to make it better so that it it can transport more than just inanimate objects which is where he stuck out at that point uh he does an experiment with a baboon and it goes horribly awry and it turns the baboon inside out this is your first taste of cronenbergian body horror you see this like still living creature that's erupting blood and it's been turned inside out and they do this other experiment with a stake where the teleporter obviously doesn't know what he keeps saying it doesn't know what flesh is it doesn't understand the flesh and this is like in between sessions of them making love I think at this point yeah it's all very connected right like he's talking about the flesh the flesh the flesh and like they understand the flesh the two of them because
0: oh okay i see. pressing flesh (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I get that okay. metaphor so
2: now. If we can talk about the clothes part of it. Yeah. When it was like, hey, like, do you want to change your clothes? And it was like, uh, these are clean. And then he's got like five sets of the same blazer. blah, blah blah. It's like same square the cut same. tie. Right. And then she ends up going out and buying him like clothes that he wears for the rest of the movie until he doesn't wear clothes anymore. But it was just like, you're very cute. I just want to eat you up. And then they start talking about the flesh and that's how it goes into what Jonathan's talking about. And then when he was talking, when the steak incident happens, he puts like one steak in the transporter and one steak he cooks. He asks her to taste each one of the cooked version. And so she eats the other one. The first one, it's fine. The one that went through the transporter tastes synthetic. So that's what he means by like the flesh, because it's reproducing. The steak as it thinks a steak should be, but it doesn't really, he hasn't taught the machine how right. to reproduce. It
1: doesn't know the flesh. It doesn't understand what, what it's transporting. It thinks that everything is fake, like all this other stuff that it's been transporting. Uh, I think it, we'd be remiss if we didn't point out, like, she is a reporter. Her name's Ronnie, by the way. I don't know if we said that. Ronnie Quay. Veronica,
2: yeah. Veronica, and,
1: yes, and he's Seth Brundle, which is, I think, <laughs> a really good scientist's name. Uh, she works for a fake magazine called Particle, and Particle is sent her out, apparently, flush with cash to do whatever she wants and write a, write a real bang-up story. And so she has to report back to her editor what she thinks she's found. His name is Stathis Borens, um, which I feel like there's some reason that they're both SB and their names are like, inversions of each other, Stathis and Mm -hmm. Seth. I don't know. Like there's something Mm -hmm. about the fact that they end up in this love triangle and their names are so.
2: Oh yeah. just happens to be like her ex-boyfriend who has a key to her apartment and is showering.
1: Yes. He's a very strange misogynistic man. Um, He comes off extremely creepy at the start of this. He's definitely the most insectoid of the three at this point in the story. (laughs) Like he's just very pokey he's just very he's he he's a, like i said he's a misogynist uh he's very uh gratuitous with how he talks to ronnie and like what he wants from her and what he's jealous of once she starts going down this path with seth so she decides to
0: document his his machine and his his accolades but- just, just to back up a little bit you said he can transport synthetic materials or like non-living materials and that's his big hang-up like he wants to be able to revolutionized transportation by transporting living materials. She wants to do a story at the beginning of just the regular transportation. And he convinces her to stick around and write the entire story of like how he develops the entire technology. Right. Uh, Why
1: do a story when you can do a book? Yeah. It'll be the whole, the whole thing.
0: Can I just say though, that's the, it's so dumb. He's already (laughs) like if you could transport inanimate objects that's still like you would be a multi-billionaire. Like right. You've won. Like just stop. Hand it off to somebody and let them figure it out. <laughs> I it, it's I mean, I, I obviously there wouldn't have been a movie there. Uh <laughs> but it's so frustrating. Like, just make better decisions. You've won. Market it as it is. Get her to write the story. It
1: I think that I think that's something that maybe you and the rest of us in 2023, like we're so suffused right now with these like geniuses, quote unquote geniuses, right? These grifters, kind of like that, are are predominating our culture. I, I mean, I'll just—I thought it's a lot about Elon, Elon Musk. Yeah, I thought a lot about Elon Musk when I watched this movie, where it's like, like you said, just take the W, man. Like, yeah, you can tra- like transport rocks, tra- transport concrete across the point, pl- like you, you have revolutionized the transportation industry, but this is a guy that's so consumed with his idea and we're sort of presented with it as he gets car sick, right? He even got sick riding his, his tricycle as a kid. And so his end goal has always been to revolutionize how human bodies are moved around. So he doesn't have to get car sick anymore. And he's, he's lost the trees for the forest because you're right, Mike, like this is, this is world-beating technology at this point. You could transport a tank from here to to Europe. Like, I mean, it it's an insane achievement, and he won't accept the victory because it's not exactly what he set out to do. The other parts that I thought about Elon Musk were, he even has this whole bit where he says, "You know, I, 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 I'm just uh, I just put it all together. Like, I didn't make the lasers. I didn't make the diodes. Like, it's a there's a self-awareness there that I feel like is lacking in the world today."
0: I, I actually really like that part because it is very, it made me think of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with Captain Nemo, like how he builds his submarine, because that's the whole premise, like nobody knew the sub existed because he like sub-contracted all the parts out and assembled them, and that's what this guy's doing, presumably Cronenberg, if that isn't in the original fly, like may know that that existed, but I liked that callback. That, was, that I thought was really interesting.
1: Yeah. He's a very interesting man. Like, I mean, he's, he clearly has an idea and he's being consumed by it. We have an interesting part where Stathis has, has clearly gotten angry, uh, that Seth and Ronnie are a couple. And so he's going to leak this story, even though they don't want it out yet that they've, they've switched tracks to this book thing where they're going to document everything. And he's kind of gonna, he's gonna, uh, what's that called? where you you can't you you don't get your thing out first scoop it yeah he's going to scoop him like, even
0: though like, yeah because Ronnie gave him her notes from the original time even though it's not his story
1: well but he put her name on it like uh he's like I'm your editor I can you gave me a story like I'm going to publish it and you're going to get famous whether you want to or not and yeah uh Seth misreads the situation and thinks that she's left him in the middle of the night to go back to her ex-boyfriend and so he drinks a bottle of champagne and loads himself up into a teleporter while talking to a
0: baboon.
2: Do you know I, do you never see the baboon ever again? Like or like <laughs> well, you do see the baboon, but then you don't see right. it, like where
0: it's kind of there and not there. It's Schrodinger's baboon. It's there in the movie when it needs to be. Chekhov's baboon. Chekhov's ooh, Chekhov's that's better. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie has terrible ethics. Like okay the, the journalism ethics from uh the other guy the bad boyfriend. friend Stathis. yeah status. i'm gonna write Stathis. his name down that's terrible but like the whole idea with seth oh i'm gonna test it on flesh and put a whole ass baboon in there <laughs> sorry we'll have to beat that um oh, you're like, you couldn't so- do like a plant or a tarantula or a mouse like in 1986, how much did a baboon cost?
2: It can't have been a cheap mistake. Where did he get two baboons? Yeah, they're just living in his apartment. Right. And they jump out, out of the fog machine and like bounce right up to him and yeah. they hug, and it's are so it's such a sweet baboon.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. Like hot dogs are what? <laughs> you get eight of them for a buck in nineteen eighty six, if that even. Yeah. Like that's I flesh. <laughs> Do mean, may, I mean
0: I mean going back to Elon Musk, he killed a bunch of chimps putting diodes in their brains. So right. like there's a parallel, <laughs> but like you couldn't, uh, I just, uh, maybe it's his egomania, but you couldn't have started off with something simpler. You had yeah. to kill a baboon. Mm-hmm. I, it, that maybe I'm just coming at it from like an actual scientist perspective <laughs> on all these things that frustrate me. Like, cause they're writing like what they think a scientist is. Right. Which is different. Right. Uh, and maybe I shouldn't pick apart the scientific method in a fictional movie, but oh, well, I mean,
1: yeah. Because if you go down that path too far, then you start thinking about the fact that, like, when Seth crawls into the the tube when he, which he's about to do, the fly gets in there and they're going to get crossed. But in actuality, like, there's a very good chance that he has eyelash mites already, yeah. and the machine's not going to know what to do with that either. Technically, so or, why didn't he become? <laughs> A demodex or whatever
0: yeah half demodex <laughs> half person yeah.
1: i mean and the same is true for the pantyhose at the start like why there could have been a carpet beetle caught up in there or any number of things
2: very true, true. Yeah. but what the computer does it like it analyzes the components of the thing that's in there breaks it down and then puts it back together again yes on the other side
1: very fancy fact so,
2: yeah <laughs> Kind of
1: like that. It could be the world's greatest duster, technically, right? Like, if you put something in there that's covered in human dust and you transport it, it's not going to know what that is. So is it just going to forget about it? Or is it going to merge it with your bookshelf or whatever that you send through the transporter? There's lots of, I think there's lots of threads you can pull at here scientifically and kind of lose the overall process of the movie, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, So so the naked guy now, because he's naked when he went in. Well, I mean, you don't want to get combined
1: with your clothes.
2: Tr- oh. Okay, so then he's <laughs> naked when he comes out. Like so this is what my note says. Naked guy holding a baboon. So then I was like, oh yes, I remember he comes out of the door opens tr- fog. He stands up naked, baboon jumps into his arm.
1: But the baboon covers up stuff. Like you don't see
0: the yeah, the bits. Yeah.
2: He is documenting. Naked guy it. holding oh. a monkey is still weird. Yes, and he is Taking a video of it for
1: Ronnie, drunk naked guy,
2: yeah, drunk naked guy holding a baboon.
1: I, oh. I mean, he's he's revolutionized by this, right? Like his entire world changes, yes. He he feels invigorated, he thinks that it's a baptism, basically. Like he keeps trying to convince Ronnie to go through because he feels like it's fixed yeah. everything wrong with his body.
2: Yeah, he woke up from a sleep, codfly, and then he never like slept, sleeps again, I guess, for the rest of the movie, <laughs> right? Like he starts doing national gymnastics yeah. on his whole entire apartment.
1: Night, night ups,
2: bar <laughs> like a chair flips and it thinks he's like the real him. But <laughs> <He put laughs> whatever you fly. have to say. But he doesn't know that yet, right? Right. And then they go out and they talk and he's shoveling all the sugar into his coffee. Like, and all he's doing is eating sweets and sugar. He does feel all energized and crazy and strong and can do all these things.
0: The sugar scene made me think about the scene in Men in Black where the cockroach first shows up and he's like, with Give me sh- yeah, with sugar. That made me laugh. I, yeah. I did. So of all the parts of the movie, this bit I really liked was his transformation. Cause it is like, he gets aggressive about her going through the transporter. This is like, like you said, this magical baptism that makes him feel like about th- 10,000%. And it's amazing. And like, he gets almost physically abusive with her trying to get her to go into this thing. So it's cause it's, it's its own kind of horror beyond the body horror of this, like losing his mind bit. And I thought with all of that, the acting was well done. And I liked that transformation because he can't see it, but she can.
1: Right. And it, it slowly ramps up as, as he keeps changing. He he starts talking at one point about the politics of the insect. And I think that this is the start of that, of this like single mindedness mm-hmm. of this desire for just basically consumption. And like, you should, you should do it too. Like, join me in this. So this can be a of...
2: dynamic duel in this plasma pool.
1: Yes. Dynamic duo in the plasma pool. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, he just becomes very single-minded. He becomes obsessed. I mean, even more than he was beforehand. And the problem is like, it's, it's a less tempered obsession because he's losing his humanity Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he he didn't even have a ton of it beforehand. So I I think that, yeah, like Mike said, this is one of the more expertly done bits of the movie. We can, I guess, condense down the, the subsequent stuff to, he, he starts losing his humanity. Hairs begin to sprout from his back. His skin begins to change. He takes on... I would say he never truly achieves a, a fly-like appearance, in my opinion. Yeah, his skin... Uh, he's he's a Brundlefly. This is what he Brundlefly. sort Brundlefly. Of, yeah, this is where he ends up. Is uh, He figures out that he was fused with a fly and that he didn't build a transporter. He's built a gene fusion machine. And so... He starts to work on this idea of, you know, maybe I can dilute the fly out of me by adding more human to me, uh, which is where I thought we were going to start seeing him kidnap people and hobos and stuff and throwing them in the machine with him. That would have to- been interesting. <laughs> I thought that's where we were headed in the bar. So at one point, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. he's like, he looks kind of like he's addicted to methamphetamines, I would say. He's all scabby and twitchy. And he's oh, out in a bar. He's twitching. Yeah, Just the switching like... is bad. He picks up a lady in a bar, and he he fights off
0: these two bumpkins
1: and breaks one of their arms in half.
0: I uh, I remember that part is is from a child too, so I must have seen a lot of this movie. <laughs> yeah, but I, it was I like I can be.
2: Yeah, I'll give you like I'll bet you hundred dollars. I'm gonna beat you, and then I'm gonna I get her too.
0: Right. Yeah. So like, women is property. Yeah. Right. Yes.
1: The the politics of the fly. And he just, he circles the drain. Uh, his body starts falling apart. His fingernails fall off. His teeth Ugh. fall out. Um, and ear one point, falls off. He knocks his own ear off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like when his fingernails came off and then he like yeah. squeezed his finger and like squirt everywhere.
1: Yep. <laughs> um, he discovers he can't eat the way that he has been used to, accustomed to his entire life. Teeth um, fall out. Yeah. So he has to like vomit on stuff with this gelatinous goo to try and. Dig- pre-digest it. I, there is some interesting uh, fly sponging mouth biology behind that, I guess.
0: They extraorally digest food.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was the most insectoid moment for me. Uh, he does crawl on the wall, you know, like a fly would. But he never gets wings.
2: He never gets another pair of legs.
1: Yeah. You know, he never really gets compound eyes, I would say. The yeah. the old fly movie is very famous for the insect vision. The, what the fly sees when it's looking around its lab and approaching people. It's a, it's a kaleidoscope version of insect vision, which isn't accurate, but we don't even, we don't even get that in this movie. It's he
2: gets bristly hairs.
1: He is very bristly. So I guess the Brundle fly is just bristly and, and extra orally digests.
2: And he's like really wet looking and lumpy.
1: Yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs>
1: yes. Like a, a newborn St. Bernard. <laughs>
2: Uh, Do you want want, want me to say I didn't come up with that one, but these are the things she kept saying. Like, he looks like Biff. So earlier on, he looked like Biff from Back to the Future. (laughs) Okay. And then she said he looked like Pizza the Hut.
1: Yep. Okay. And then
2: she said he kind of looked a little like bacon. Yes. then he looked like E.T., and yes. then, and then he looked like hamburger. They yeah. nailed
1: it. I would say, yeah, <laughs> those are good descriptors. <laughs> Suffice to say, yeah, he's losing his humanity. His body is is turning into pizza hut. <laughs> Thank you for that. And at the end of the movie, we find out that Ronnie is pregnant. Uh, she's been hanging out with Stathis a lot, trying to figure out what to do about Seth. He gets weirdly involved, and then she finds out she figures out she's pregnant she's trying to decide if she's going to perform an abortion she has what some people i would uh some people i've read online think of as like the most horrifying part of the movie she has a vision of giving birth to a live maggot uh, or a larva i guess i should say um a lot of people said that that's that's it like that's the the most body horror part of the movie I- <laughs> jody jody is breaking down <laughs>
2: You know, she's screaming, then everyone starts screaming, and then you, like, look down. There's, like, a two-foot maggot moving around, and it was, like, horrifying, but also then I just started laughing, because as an entomologist, I was just like, this is ridiculous.
0: Ovithyrus. You birth to an egg. Yeah.
2: I was like, what? <laughs> exactly. I was like...
1: Can you? you weren't impregnated by a Madagascar hissing cockroach. <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: because I was like, well, where would... Like, how would that attach to your body? Anyway
1: the gynecologist in that scene is the director of the film fun fact oh oh, Uh, oh, interesting you know Uh, so
2: many things
1: i I tried to prepare so this this prompts her to get an abortion uh she wants this out of her this is a part that i think is really interesting um i don't know that it gets talked about in a lot of the reviews that i've read there's like a really strong feminist streak here of like Stathis is like, well, why do you even why like why do you want to do this? And she's like, I don't want it in my body, like it's my body. Please let me take this out of my body. Uh, they find a doctor that will do it, but before the, the the surgery can be performed, she is abducted by Brundlefly. For the conclusion of the film, uh, he begs her not to do this because it's the only part of his humanity that's left is what's growing inside of her, even though there's no guarantee that it isn't. A giant right. maggot at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah, because they had sex b- both before and after his transformation. Yes. And A lot so, of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so
1: it goes from that to actually I've changed my mind. Uh, we're going to use your DNA and our baby's DNA to help fix me. And so the ultimate part of the movie is Brundlefly has taken her back to the lab. He is going to put her in one pod. He'll get in another pod and he's built a third pod somewhere. Well, he, ha- he had a third pod. Oh, so okay. that, that was some must good shot. Foreshad-
0: there okay. was foreshadowing within the first five minutes that I appreciated where when she first comes in, she asks what's under the tarp. And so he shows her like, Oh, this is my first version. It's clunky. And so he has a ah. third
1: pod. Uh, I must have been getting popcorn at that point and missing it.
0: <laughs> Um It is weird though that he only has two other pods because what was, if he just had the one, what was he transporting between with just yeah. one? So right. he should have like four. Uh, but there was like that foreshadowing early on that he had three. But he's going to use the old
1: and clunky pod as a receiver so that all three of them will be combined into one being inside of this pod. The ultimate family, I think, is what he describes it as.
0: That was creepy.
1: Yeah, right before Gina Davis takes his lower jaw off with an elbow to the face. She just DDTs him right there um, and sort of super speeds his final transformation into his final form as the super brundle fly. Which is where he does get some kind of buggy eyes, mouth completely gone. Wait,
2: but this is like after he like does this this open mouth vomit on Stathis.
1: yeah. I was maybe going to let Mike talk about what sounds like a traumatic childhood memory for him. Uh, yes, he he is interrupted by Stathis, who what? has brought no, a shotgun. Like he,
2: wait, he came to? Did he come to kill him? And then Ronnie was up top somewhere and was like, "No, don't." Yeah, yeah. she
1: was. She was stashed up there uh, yeah, in like so the the top of the abandoned warehouse.
0: Yeah, Stathis comes into the apartment with. I'm gonna criticize this movie from a different angle. He comes into to, to Brundlefly's apartment with a shotgun, but it's cased. He like opens the case, and there's a sequence of him like assembling the shotgun and loading it in the apartment. The whole time, like Brundlefly is up in and around. Like he, he could have assembled that out in the parking lot or at his house. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I will note, he just bought it. I, so it's a Browning 12 gauge over under. Uh, I thought I should.
1: Yes, I appreciate that. Up.
0: Um, I just like my dude. Why be ready if you're gonna if you are intent on killing this thing, be ready. Don't like do it when you get there. But yeah, he gets the shotgun ready. Brundlefly like jumps down on him, knocks him down. He tries to shoot Brundlefly, uh, but the the gun is knocked away, and he gets his hand vomited on. And I remember again. Remember this as a child. It is reminiscent. I'm going to keep pulling in other movies of the melting face from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Uh, If you've seen that movie, you can imagine that happening to a dude's hand Uh, and it just melts his hand, Uh, which is cool, but feels like overpowered for like digestive fluid. (laughs) I thought this was
1: more grotesque than the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, just because it involves a vomit uh, coming out. And then not only does he do his hand, But he He takes off one of his his feet as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, And then it looks like he's going to go do it into his face. And then that's when she comes down. Yes.
1: Ronnie stops that. So she intercedes and stops him from killing Stathis, which is important. Uh, And then he explains his his idea of becoming the, the greatest family ever and combining your genes. And then she turns him into the final Brundlefly. He puts her in a pod, locks her in. He goes and gets in a pod himself, but Stathis recovers enough to get the shotgun and blast the hoses and stop Ronnie from being disassembled. Mm-hmm. And the machine then takes this to mean that it's supposed to combine Brundlefly with the pod. Um, yeah, I,
0: I didn't get this part. so I,
1: I wondered if it was because the locking mechanism is disengaged because, yeah, otherwise, why isn't it doing this every time? Like, why didn't it combine the pantyhose and the pod?
0: yeah well so Brundlefly punches through the glass window of the pod and when the teleporter goes off he's like half in and half out Mm -hmm. so what I expected to happen would be like oh the bottom half of him gets transported and he's like chopped in half right? and that's what kills him but no instead it takes the part of him that is also outside and teleports that somehow but like you said combines him with the broken bits of the pod that are presumably like laying on the floor
1: I mean, it takes part of the pod with it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, it it takes like a half moon shape out. I don't know if it's because he's touching it or what, but yeah, it's
0: still very odd.
1: So he becomes this like fused mash mesh of of wires and hoses and the brutalist metal bits and the brundlefly. What do you think of this part, Jody?
2: Interesting, because it just ends like that.
1: I mean, there's a there's a beat after that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Pretty much. well, okay, yeah, that's right.
1: So, yeah, Brundlefly she... begs to be put out of his misery basically, and oh, Ronnie yeah. has to do it because Stathis is uh oozing out on the floor, <laughs> and uh, she almost does it, backs away, and then Brundlefly pulls the gun to its head, and so now you know that he's in there, and he begs her basically to, to take him out so that he can be free of this prison, and she does it. <laughs> And then she yes, says, no, she
2: can't. But then she does it, and then it just ends. And
1: then it just ends. I I agree with you, Jody. That I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? Is there a stinger? Is there a mid-credit scene? Like <laughs> this is it was very abrupt. But also probably the strongest point at which to end, I would argue, uh, story-wise. Because what else are you going to get? The cops showing up?
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I. Cause like movies don't really end like that today. I think
1: well,
2: not that I watch a lot, but I just <laughs> feel like,
1: no, you're right. I mean, in, in today's time, if they did this movie over, it'd be the start of the, you know, the fly cinematic universe. <laughs> and there'd be somebody that shows up at the end. That's like, Oh, you know, I saw this with a spider in San Francisco or something. Uh, and you get the 50 foot tall woman somehow, all those B horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: and, in- there's an arc kind of in the movie where Stathis is a, a jerk off in the beginning. Like he is a, he, I wrote down creepy stalker. Yeah. Like no, he he's, lets he's, himself into her apartment and is like taking a shower. they like very machismo uh, power move on his part. Cause yeah, he's a
1: total perv. I mean, yeah. he, <laughs> he says very wildly inappropriate things, even by 1986 standards. I would yeah. argue
2: Yeah. She Um, asked for, she's like, give me the keys back. And he's like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. And just leaves and takes her keys. But
0: then, yeah, she, it bothers, it bothered me maybe from a modern perspective. Like then she goes to him later, like with help with Brundlefly, with help with the abortion. Like he gets this almost redemption arc, even though he doesn't change. Yeah. Uh, And then like, how do you, end the movie, if you go past this cold cut, like he's there on the floor and like, without an R hand and a leg, like she goes and helps him assist him like to complete that redemption arc. Like that isn't satisfying. Cause he's still big jerk. That is a creepy stalker dude.
1: Yeah. I think that this is sort of the best, uh, the best they could do, I guess, because I had read that there was, there were two different versions of the Stathis relationship and that gold bloom was very disappointed that they are sort of together by the end. Uh, that Stathis and Ronnie have reconciled. And he thinks that it, it cuts away from the better parts of the film. Uh, it's a distraction, I guess. And so, like, this is the only way that you can get away with not addressing their future together, right? Is just to be like, okay, the monster's dead. The movie's over. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you have to be in a hospital room and she's like wiping his forehead. And he says, I'm sorry for all the things I did. And yeah, then they're together. You can't really have that because you're right, it's unearned. What what he gets from her in the film is unearned. And so going any further than that, I think, would be even worse. We had talked about uh, maybe going over some of the different things that people have said about this movie online. Uh, some of the different sort of analyses of it. When you guys think of it, though, what do you think is sort of the, what is the point? Like, what is this movie trying to say to you?
2: Can I tell you what we didn't talk about yet,
1: though? Oh, sure. The
2: Brundlefly Museum of Body Parts. (laughs)
1: Yes. (sighs) He does have have a little menagerie of his own teeth and fingernails and his ear.
2: And there were like organs and stuff in there. It seemed like, I don't know, weird. It was gross. It was gross. Just in the cabinet.
1: In the medicine cabinet. Which seemed deeper than it should be.
2: (laughs) <laughs> true, true, true. What was this movie trying to tell us? Honestly, I struggle with that
0: because so many of the themes in the movie are like all of the ethical decisions the scientist and the journalist. Everybody makes the worst possible choice at every turn. Stathis, I mean, I we we just went over it, but like he is a big jerk, misogynist and his redemption arc is unearned. Like it's a horror movie and you you don't necessarily have to have like a takeaway from it because of that, but some horror movies do and can, but I don't, at least in my watching of it, like there's just, there wasn't one or at least not one that I picked up on because so much of it was, was not the themes weren't good. I guess that what I hear you
1: saying is that the commentary is on the pursuit of science, right? Like that, that what we'll sacrifice in the name of science is, is potentially worse than what we gain.
0: I Maybe, but even then, like, ma- again, maybe coming at it as a scientist is like, most scientists wouldn't act like that. Like, that's not how it frames. If that is the case, then it is framing science disingenuously.
1: Interesting. Okay. I
0: like that. Um, and so I just can't like, I don't accept that premise because I mean, that's the premise of like Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park as the book, like science run amok. Right. But again, like that doesn't often, I mean, it can happen, but it is not the normal in science, at least as far as I've seen. And so I don't accept that premise.
1: When like capitalism you? gets involved with science. I,
0: yeah.
2: Or... Jody, what do you think? Well, what he intended to do, I guess his intentions in the be- in the beginning or throughout his life was to do this tr- innocent transport device kind of thing. But, but the things that may not go the way you intended and that it would go evil and that he went with it, like that it was just super enticing to instead of help the world, just help yourself.
1: Okay, so he became corrupted.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of terrible that they blame it on the insects because like the one part. So we ended up doing the closed caption the second time we watched it. Okay. So that we could actually read what he was saying. And the part when he tells her like he's she's got to leave because he's going to hurt her was probably I thought the most interesting quote And he says, have you ever heard of insect politics? Neither have I. Insects don't have politics they are very brutal. No compassion, no compromise. We can't trust the insect. I'd like to become the first insect politician. I'm saying I'm an insect who dreamed he was a man and loved it. But now the dream is over and the insect is awake. And then he says, I'm saying I'll hurt you if you stay. And I thought that was so creepy. Like that was the scariest part because he knew what he was doing, but then he was like, kind of, I mean, this is our lives. Like we study entomology and the insects, but just like, it's brutal. It's kind of like, like the circle of life.
1: I think that that's one of the more interesting points in the movie where he's trying to argue, like his baser instincts are being brought out by the fly, by the bug, by the insects that he's being corrupted or that he's being unleashed and that that side of him will take over and she's not safe around him. I guess that was one of the other questions I was going to pose to you is like, why is it a bug? Why is it a, why is it a fly? Uh, Why is this the transformative element of this film? It could have been almost any animal, right? Like he could have fused with the baboon and then, you know, we go backwards in evolutionary time or whatever. Why is it a bug? Do you think it does come down to this insect politic part? in our view of insects as these brutal sort of automatons that are programmed for survival.
0: I that, yeah. Cause imagine if it was the baboon, like, yeah, you get primitive, but there's still, you could imagine there's still like a humanity there, or at least if not humanity, then like higher thinking a higher like level of cognizance right um i think the other reason for the fly is convenience like it's small and just flies in there he doesn't notice it you could imagine like yeah like if it's a cockroach he might see that you could maybe make the case for like bringing some other kind of insect in there but you got to have something that is quick big enough for the transporter to like see small enough that he doesn't see it but can also get in there you know while the door is open um honestly right. it, a cockroach, maybe a bed bug would have been neat. That would have um, been fun. But like there's not too much else in like an urban environment that you would that would fit that bill, it feels like. Termite, ant. <laughs> well, yeah, and then an I mean, maybe
2: it they they did mention housefly. And so like everyone's familiar with it. That too. And 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 see sees it as probably annoying or a pest or they just don't think about it all so i mean bringing fly into the picture and making that be the the insect
1: yeah uh why why choose it i guess i was trying to think of different fly symbolism i guess in humanity uh i thought a lot about beelzebub because he's mm-hmm. I like he's kind of becoming beelzebub right like lord of the flies beelzebub is gluttony though not pride which i would say is pride the driver of seth more than gluttony at the start of the film
0: yeah it, yeah it, there's also something they kind of mentioned um the, like the the connection of flies and filth at mm-hmm. one point before he really starts to fall apart like he's got like maybe some boils on his skin but is not
2: like, like literally thinking, falls apart like yeah uh
0: she makes a comment like you stink yeah. And um it's not clear like he just hasn't bathed or if it's like an innate thing because he is part fly now. My take was it was the latter. Mm-hmm. Um and, like the implication, like flies and filth, flies stink. Uh so I wrote in my notes, like, do all flies stink? Like there's an insect smell, like the cockroach smell that you can get. I wouldn't call it a stink though, but that's the the public perception, like flies are on poop and that they're they have to be smelly. So there's I think that gives something to the horror too, like over maybe other choices of things that could have snuck in there. I like that. I guess I took that as more of
1: a like, maybe he just didn't smell human anymore. <laughs> like, how could he possibly still smell right to her uh, yeah. with this like genetic transformation he was undergoing? Uh, I like all of this. I like all of our, our, our different viewpoints on this. Do you want to hear what like some people historically have thought about it and then kind of modern takes on the film and what Cronenberg intended? Yeah. So at the time, um, the fly was often viewed as an allegory for AIDS, which I think is, oh, is a that's... pretty interesting take, especially in 1986.
0: Yeah. That, that's in... something that doesn't hit maybe quite as, as much now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would agree with that. But apparently at the time and like into the 90s, that was what a lot of the commentary about this movie was, was that he was talking about AIDS because it's all about sex at the start and they're not being very cautious. They're all very terrified that it's contagious at one point, if you remember. And then like just the breakdown of his body um, resembled what people thought happened to folks who were infected. Uh, with HIV and AIDS back in the day, uh, apparently Cronenberg had he—I don't know if I'd say he took issue with this, but he's he's vehemently argued that it isn't supposed to be about AIDS. That his intention was to talk about the body horror aspect of your body breaking down in front of your eyes and your mind being conscious of it. So he's talking about disease in general. Apparently, cancer was something that they talked a lot about on set. Uh, They talked about, you know, like if you swapped this out for cancer, it's a very tragic and different movie. But when it's his body becoming a fly, it becomes so depersonalized. Like if it was cancer, we would all think about ourselves having cancer. But with this, it's so outrageous. You can engage with it differently than a real disease, I guess.
0: Well, in the way they frame it, like you don't, I mean, unless you smoke, but even then, like you don't bring about cancer by a choice. Right. Like this is fully based because of his pride in his right. own mistakes. Right. That's a good point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He did it to himself. Uh, yeah. Uh, disease as a moral failing. Right. the That sort of long held mm-hmm. American trope. Uh, there was one quote that I wrote down. And I, I couldn't remember if it was from Cronenberg or from somebody that was doing sort of a modern write up about the movie. It was basically it's supposed to be a movie about your mind can only watch as you decay. In front of it and like he he's still himself trapped in there but he has to watch his body become not his own so i thought that the aids thing that's a very interesting angle that like mike said maybe as people in 2023 that wouldn't be the first thing to pop out at you i mean it didn't sound like it was what either of you thought about when you watched the movie because it's just not on our minds as much anymore other people have talked about the inferiority of insects which we've discussed. There was one article that I will link to that's very focused on this love triangle between Stathis Seth and Ronnie and how both of them, both the men in this love triangle, that they're the insects and that Stathis is more insectoid at the start and then Seth obviously is at the end and that they defeminize and dehumanize Ronnie throughout the movie in various ways with their like insect like behavior of male virility and talking about each other's penises and all kinds of weirdness.
0: So there was a note that I had that we didn't talk about earlier, but right after he has the accident, but he still like looks fine. uh, But he's like in the beginning stages of his transformation there's a back and forth with they having sex and Ronnie's like, I'm tired. And he's like, well, I'm not done. And she says, it's been hours. Like, okay, dude, there's a consent issue here. Like, and it, and it plays into that. Like the non-consent of insects and in, we didn't have a chance. There wasn't a better place to bring that in. So. No, I think this is the perfect spot uh, of just
1: insects do become representative of that kind of like base animalism. In many people's minds, right? Like insects have no concept of consent. Uh it's just a made or die world, basically.
2: It's like that Better than passion you- thing that that quote from after. Like that, that's just the brutal, the brutality of it. That's just the way they are. There's yeah. no politics. That's just the way it is.
1: So we'll link to some of those different analyses. I think it'd be cool if people watched the movie, if they wanted to chime in and tell us what they think. No kids, don't watch. don't Don't watch it with kids. <laughs> Go ahead,
0: Mike. Well, what do you think about the idea of the point of this being like the inability to do anything as your body decays in front of your brain, and you can just watch? Because it feels like his brain transformation is also happening, like towards these baser instincts, and that really undercuts that plot point. Like he isn't just observing it with his hu- full human faculties, right? He's like becoming insect insectoid, even in in his brain capacity. Like he can't fully comprehend what's happening. And so I like I'm not sure I agree that that comes off as a premise. OK, uh,
1: I'll let you take that up with Cronenberg on Twitter. Or <laughs> <laughs> but or uh, No, I, I actually understand where you're coming from, because that was something I thought about in regards to. Yeah, like he he's obviously losing his mind at the same time. But I think that maybe his argument back would be, well, he talked about aging. So not just a disease, but as you age, you could lapse into dementia. You could lapse into Alzheimer's. Your faculties aren't what they once were. So maybe you even struggle to recognize your past self and to recognize the changes that are occurring to your body. And you can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. I I think that the point is supposed to be that. Like, think of that feeling that might be popping up in your back of your reptilian part of your brain right now of the inevitability of getting the old, the inevitability of decay. I mean, it goes beyond body horror. I mean, it is body horror, but in some ways it's very cosmic. Uh, uh, the insignificance of, of your corporeal form and the, the fact that it will someday fail you. Jody, you have a degree in aging. Uh, did they teach you about that kind of stuff? <laughs>
2: No, I can't say that. My experience and education in gerontology has helped me understand the movie The Fly. But That's too bad. what about how he doesn't want to be destroyed? We need to save the Brundle fly baby, you know, like that will all just be as one. Keeping that going.
1: Reproducing,
0: basically.
2: Whether or not they're compassionate or not, or brutal, they just need to keep surviving, whether...
0: like instinctual self-preservation?
2: Yeah, he didn't want to hurt her. But then when he found out she was, she had a brundlefly baby, then it was like, what if I'm still in there? But then it seemed like he wanted to keep him like the human part alive, but maybe not. Because he loved having that insect part that never got tired, like the power surge that he talked about. I don't know, that doesn't make any sense. But I did no, want it to does. say it makes sense okay. because
1: I think what you're trying to say is by the end, these sort of natural instincts of parenthood are becoming corrupted even and turned into this just just persistence. Like it doesn't matter if it's him beforehand or all three of us combined. It right. just matters that something of mine persists.
2: Right. And my body's right. falling apart, and this is happening. Right. But this could continue. So we need to make like we need I need to have this go forward like we need to do whatever we can
1: which is insectoid which isn't which is base right this idea of like all i need is to eat sugar and make the next generation
2: (laughs) right it's all about the offspring
1: yeah so i think that there's lots of different threads you can tug on with it i'd like if people watched it and and let us know what their thoughts were what they picked up on uh what their favorite transformative element is which which stage of of Fly would you want to cosplay as for Halloween? <laughs> uh, can I tell you about the sequel a little bit, Jody? Yeah,
2: I was gonna ask. I was like, okay.
1: is it-? "I'm never watching it, so please." Okay, so <laughs> the sequel is about his son. Um, his son, whose name is Martin Brundle, I believe. Uh, she she
0: takes his last name then.
1: So, no. <laughs> okay, uh, he. I'm trying to remember what the actual start of that movie is. So what I remember is that they replay that scene multiple times of her giving birth to a larva, but it's never presented as like this actually happened, but he does come to be born and he then ages. Okay, here we go. Several months after the events of the fly, Veronica Quaif gives birth to a larval sack and dies. The sack splits open to reveal a normal baby boy. So instead of the maggot, She has this larval sack and this baby comes out and the people that owned the company that had been funding Seth in the first movie, they take ownership of this boy Um, and the lead owner. His name is Anton Bartok and he uh, adopts the child and names him Martin and then he just grows up like in labs and his growth is super sped up. So by the time he's five, he looks like a 20 year old, I think. And he's falling in love with the scientist that works there. And he's seen all this weird stuff. He saw them try to rebuild the transporter and, and move a dog. And the dog gets turned into this horrible, like, 100-foot-long terror beast that they they tell him they killed and got rid of. But he finds out that it's been locked up in the same areas as him his whole life. And they feed it this, like, terrifying gruel. And you have to watch it twitch and everything. And he he realizes that his body is breaking down and he's turning into a brundle fly. And this girl that he's in love with is like, well, I'll help you. And eventually they realize that they they can swap his insect genes out for another person's genes if they can get somebody to do this. And just luckily, Anton Bartok, he's a villain, and he tries to force him to turn into the brundle fly. And they lock them in pods separately, Anton and Martin, and they give all of the bad genes to Anton and Martin gets to walk away as a normal human while Anton turns into the same thing that the dog was basically like this big maggot man that can't talk or move, but it's his brain in there. And the end of the movie is him eating the food that they used to give to the dog. It it was very much more a body horror. Like it didn't have as much to say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was just about, like, what if what if your brain was trapped in a maggot thing, man? What then?
0: It's interesting that they kill Ronnie off in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Like, none she of doesn't the, survive.
1: None of the original cast returned, except for Stathis. Uh, the guy that played him, he comes back, and I think he, at one point, he does the exposition. Like, he explains everything to Martin.
0: Hmm. I like the idea... Of like the sped-up development, and then you don't like normal human until you hit adulthood, and then you turn into the Brundle Fly. Like that is that is a neat concept. Yep. Uh the rest of the movie sounds terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Uh there was a comic book in 2015 that came out called The Fly Outbreak, a five-issue series. Uh it's a direct sequel to the events of the Fly 2. And uh I think it's about Anton becoming like a super fly monster, like he pupates. I think in it, Uh, it starts to change. So there's there's other fly content out there if you'd like to engage with it.
0: I had one more thing. Uh, The tagline in the movie is "Be afraid, be very afraid," and they even work that into Ronnie saying it at one point. Mm -hmm. It. What do you think of that as a tagline? Like it felt forced in the movie. It feels like it doesn't fit
2: the movie is that the first time it was said in a movie because it doesn't that a tagline for other movies it seems like okay
1: so it it became something of a meme uh I think that one of the reasons maybe Mike you feel this way is like it's been parodied and used multiple times since uh by like mad magazine and others it is kind of an odd tagline for the movie I guess because it doesn't seemingly it doesn't elicit the the idea that it's a body horror movie right yeah Yeah, Uh, it's just any horror film. You could say, be afraid, be very afraid. Yeah, it's
0: just it's so generic as to be meaningless for this. And it it felt forced when when she had to say it. I don't know. I didn't. They did make her say it. They (laughs) did. uh, Yeah, it just felt weird. Anyway, that's that.
1: That's a good capper, I think. Uh, If you would like to share your thoughts with us, you can do so online. Um, You can read our show notes and read through those different articles I'm going to put in there. Uh, at arthro-pod.blogspot.com you can find our show on all your favorite podcatcher apps Uh, if anything you if anything that you use if you just type in our arthro-pod you will find us Um, if you go on the the tweet pals you can find us uh, at arthro underscore pod show and tell us what you think of the movie or you can tell us individually i'm at bugman john on that platform
2: i'm
0: at jody bugs me I'm at mscobarla36 on Twitter and at Napoleonic on Blue Sky.
1: I have a feeling that Elon Musk, after he listens to this episode, he'll ban us from Twitter, probably, since we compared him to the Brundlefly.
2: I've been waiting for a while.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We hope you are having a good spooky season if you celebrate. And tune in for our next episode, where instead of watching a movie, we're going to watch a TV episode and break down some inaccuracies in forensic investigation. On that tantalizing tidbit, we will bid you adieu and catch you on the next episode.
0: It's time for our insect heroes to put away their nets and pheromone traps. Join us next time, same bug time, same bug channel, as the Arthropod gang make the world safe from poor insect podcasts. Until then, keep
2: on bugging. Did you know there was one part of the movie that he said the word penetration like five times? It was like. (laughs) I'm glad I'm getting this recorded. Can he stop saying the word penetration? It was right before he left to go find that lady at the bar.